Welcome to CGF Minis. My name is Jacob Park, and I'm here with my usual co-host, uh, the new owner of the second buy spot, GM of the Winter Faces, Wyatt Keener. Not for long, Jake, as we were discussing in Discord this morning. The Winter Faces are trending down, but we are in good company. Unfortunately, another team trending down alongside us, the popular ballers. Busy on the trade block this morning, Jacob devastating the hearts of fans across the nation who have uh, latched onto the popular ballers and called them their own. Brutal loss this week. Seemed like they were going to pull it out at multiple times. How are you hanging in there? I'm doing all right. You know, Tommy DeVito's surprisingly good play was almost cruel because it it was just setting up like a fairy tale upset was going to happen after he... All over the media, I was seeing, and like I don't know if you listen uh, to part of my take, but they, they kept like saying how bad the that it was going to be for him starting. But I don't even think he's looked that bad in games that I've watched. <laughs> he's, he gets sacked a lot, but he's hanging in there and he played great um, on Sunday. So, but yeah, that was just enough to give me a sliver of hope that we might finally beat the Winter Faces, uh, might finally be in a position to to keep fighting for this last playoff spot. But then, yeah, as we know, we fell. To the winter faces and then uh Colton and the Pit Kings managed to pull off a big upset against the Brewers. So that about does it, I think, for our season. Yeah, you'd highlighted the the excitement, maybe the anxiety uh of enduring Friday and Saturday, all the exciting scores on Thursday night, the injuries to Burrow and Andrews, how that reframed the the um, probabilities on sleeper of those two matchups you highlight between the winter faces and popular ballers and between the Bruce Matthews and the Pit Kings. Unfortunately, uh, you know, what a pendulum swing it could have been had the popular ballers won and the Pit Kings lost. But unfortunately for popular ballers fans, unfortunately for Jake, that was not to be, uh, like you say, Tommy DeVito, he took nine sacks, but man, he threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Saquon Barkley. He was the best, the highest scoring quarterback in a matchup that featured Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields on the bench, Tommy DeVito was the highest scoring of all of those. The the newly titled freshman Phenom, maybe he's the hope that the popular ballers can can take with them to 2024 into the offseason. We hope that he can build off of, of that impressive performance and he's going to get the rest of the season to do it. So um, some weak teams ahead of him, especially some weak passing defenses. Uh, and so I'm really excited. I hope the world and the uh, CGF in particular are in desperate need of good quarterback play. So let's hope we get get some from that. But a week full of storylines. I don't mean to just dwell on us, even though we were your game of the week. Um, so much action in the standings, so much movement. And uh, while the playoff picture may have gotten slightly clearer, the seeding is completely bonkers. Who knows how the top six seeds are going to shake out and, and and I don't want to dismiss the matrix chances quite yet either. Uh, still a chance to to sneak into the playoff picture, but I'm um, really looking forward to breaking down these these games with you. Yeah, and I mean we came so close to having four teams at seven and four. If, if Travis Kelsey had been able to pull out the game against the Mooses last night, that would have been insane to have five teams within a, a game of each other at the top of the standings, uh, especially when. You know, it was just a few weeks ago, I feel like that we were saying 70% of the league was below 500. And now, you know, we have 60% of the league above it. So things wow. have kind of evened out. We don't seem to have, well, I won't say that because there's been at different points of the season 
there's been like a powerhouse queer team right now. I think the touchdown to Nabby are obviously on on the rise and and putting up big points every week. The winter faces have won four straight, but it's fluctuated more than it has in the in the last few years. Where we usually have one or two just sitting at the top the entire season. So really exciting, and I don't know if that's just because everybody's getting closer, if it has something to do with having less teams uh, full on tanking at this point, but I love it because it's just going to be the most exciting and hardest to predict playoffs I think we've had yet. Yeah. You highlight how scrunched up all the records are. Um, And I said something about discord in this earlier, but it bears repeating the points for which determines tiebreakers are also so jammed up. Like there's no way to know um, how, Teams who end up with the same record, how how they'll stagger out based on these tiebreakers, um, because we could see uh, any number of of changes happen there. So, um, I mean, just this week alone, for example, touchdown to Navi outscored Bruce Matthews by nearly ninety points. So, in one week, uh, all of these points for totals are liable to change. So, all sorts of uncertainty. But as you say, the fans are better off for it. It ends in heartbreak for some. It'll end in elation for one. What a playoff picture is going to, sh- what playoff picture will shape up before our eyes over these next three weeks. All right. With that, are you ready to head into the recap? Let's do it. All right. First up, we had, as we before mentioned, the popular bowlers visiting the winter faces. Uh, the winter faces come out on top despite losing Joe Burrow in the, the opening game 148.02 to 126. Not the only significant injury in this one. The last hopes of the popular ballers on Sunday afternoon were dashed with an injury to Cooper Cup. He unfortunately had to exit very early too, so he only had 2.1 points and was not able to affect the outcome of this one. Of course, we had highlighted the pivot point too, was that uh, matchup he had with his teammate Puka Nakua. And the really, really unfortunate thing about Cooper Cup going out early is then that led to a lot of targets being funneled to Nakua that probably wouldn't have otherwise. And so a double whammy for the popular ballers. Uh, that Sunday afternoon window was when things really switched. Brees Hall uh, had a very good game, but in the second half, he was really stymied by Buffalo's defense. And I don't think it was Buffalo's defense as much as it was the ineptitude of the Jets' offense. We see Zach Wilson get benched for Tim, uh, Tim Boyle, I think his name is, uh, and that's not going to be too exciting. Quentin Johnston, uh, you had highlighted in the chat, had that ball glance off his hands. Would have been a major, major touchdown. Uh, and so I think and we'll probably do some retrospectives at the end of the season. But when I think of the popular ballers, this season is so agonizing for me as a fan because these players that um, we view as the league-winning players, the Brees Halls, the B. John Robinsons, and the Cooper Cups, um, all three of those players showed that their talent is is there. That's unquestioned. We were all right in that um, prediction. But their team situations, it just for none of them, it, it didn't come together. For Brees, it was the early season injury game one to Aaron Rodgers that um, unfortunately plummeted all of the Jets' fantasy stocks. For Cooper Cup, uh, it's been this unevenness with his health throughout the year, but I do want to highlight this ankle injury is uh, looking to be very minor. He, um, he probably is not going to miss any games, probably going to play this weekend and certainly needs to be a target on the trade uh, the, the trade block. Um, but then the third player to highlight, Bijan Robinson, no fault of his own, just um, 
the biggest moron currently with a job. We've seen Matt Canada get fired. We've seen Josh McDaniels fired. Arthur Smith needs to go and he needs to go before week 12, Arthur blank, but uh, we will accept before week 13 as well. But with, with, with all three of those players, I think that you should be bullish heading into 2024. And what I'm excited about is the quarterback play, not just from Tommy DeVito, but uh, from, from the others we've seen take some shape. And then the supporting pieces um, have also stepped up. Really, it's been because of so many of these supporting pieces, the Cole Komets, the Gus Edwards, um, George Pickens when Deontay Johnson was out, that this team has has competed and fought for a playoff spot despite missing those three. So um, still just as bullish on the popular ballers as ever. It's just the cruelty of fantasy that you don't get to choose how these players are deployed. It's unfortunately up to their real-life coaches. Um, but a lot of excitement still for ballers fans. On the winner faces side, speaking of the popular ballers owner, uh, very reminiscent of Urban Meyer uh, in his one year as a coach when um, scouting the Rams, about to play the Rams. He said about Aaron Donald, uh, who is this 99? I hear he's pretty good. Um, the same disregard that Jacob Park had for his opponent when Jalen Warren popped off for a 74-yard touchdown rush. And that was the pivot point in this matchup, a catalyst for the winner faces victory. And Jacob Park says in the Discord chat, who the hell is Jalen Warren? <laughs> Disregard for his opponent's poor scouting. And that unfortunately <laughs> is the downfall of the popular ballers 2023 hopes in this season. Uh, like you say, Joe Burrow's injury, a major storyline. Justin Fields will step up in the remaining competitions. He is on by in week 13, so they are going to need some depth also in the event of other injuries to Mahomes or Fields. But the team gets it done despite low quarterback scores, um, thanks to largely Jalen Warren, Christian McCaffrey, and Puka Nakua. All right. Moving on to matchup number two last week, we had the Matriarchs visiting the God Kings. Um, I think the two biggest storylines for me this week were um, the performances of Saquon Barkley and, and Brian Robinson, who uh, Katie, of course, just picked up from Gotham Knights uh, a week or two ago, and they're continuing uh, to produce for the Matriarchs in their new surroundings. Um, wasn't a close game, 136 to 57, as the God Kings are the only probably true tanking team, I would say, at this point, as far as like you can almost write off any game on the, on the schedule that they're a part of. Uh, they're only starting one quarterback, although Katie did as well this week. But um, but yeah, so far, let's look at the trades are paying off quickly for Katie and hopefully they'll continue to do so into next year. If she doesn't get a chance to, to compete in the playoffs this season. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to highlight Saquon and Brian Robinson as well. They combined for 50 points between the two of them. And um, that's why you trade for those players. So if they can continue that form into next season, if they can stay healthy in the next season, um, if Saquon Barkley can stay in an offense where he is, um, the most important player. I'm not sure if that's going to be with the Giants or if he goes elsewhere in free agency, but if he stays in an offense that's built around him, he is going to be one of the league-defining players. And so that running back depth um, will be complemented by all these draft picks by CJ Stroud and Amon Ra to build out a very good roster. Um, the God Kings side, they will get Desmond Ritter back as a starting quarterback, Arthur Smith, announced in his press conference that Desmond Ritter will have the starting quarterback job throughout the rest of the season. They are not going to waffle back and forth anymore. And so they will be starting two quarterbacks. Unfortunately, as you say, I do think that their 
point total is probably capped out at 70 or 80. And while we have seen teams that are trying their best, teams that have healthy rosters, um, cap out on occasion in the double digits, most of the time those scores are at worst about 92, 93. So as you say, I think that the God Kings are almost guaranteed to lose out the rest of the way. But that's not to say they're not still trying. Um, they pick up Donald Parham, who is filling in for an injured Joe Everett, and he has 11.7. And Jaleel McLaughlin, the young guy uh, who they recently acquired in a trade that sent away Chris Olave, gets a starting role in 6.5 points. So it's fun to see these guys out here. Uh, Greg Dortch on the bench, 13.8, filling in for the injured Michael Wilson. So uh, maybe some some pieces to fiddle around with and see if you can touch the 70s, maybe even the 80s if you're the God Kings front office. But as you say, never close, an easy win for the Matrix. Moving on to uh, Ewan Spicer's game of the week last week. We had the Marley Magic visiting Touchdownton Abbey. This was the star-studded shootout that we were promised, uh, a game that uh, really is a slim chance, but there was a chance that, that A.J. Brown, if he had one of his um, weeks that he's had before, uh, scoring plus 30 points, could have pulled the Magic back into it again. The predictions of this one were kind of going up and down throughout Sunday as different stars were were going off. Uh, we saw Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen both play great for their their new team, the Marley Magic. Uh, but as we mentioned, A.J. Brown had an off week combined with uh, some of touchdowns and Abby's players. Just having fantastic weeks was enough to finish them off. Man, you summarized this one well. Uh, in the end, touchdown and Abby won by 33 points, which is a decent margin. But uh, for much of the day, and really in those important matchups, it seemed like the Magic were going to win. Brock Pretty threw a very long touchdown to Brandon Ayuk that combined for the two of them for 22 points that they put up for the Magic. And at that point, I watched the bar slide all the way to move the green on the Magic side. I think it had at that point, they had a 60% chance to win. But then in the, the rest of that game, George Kittle performed well, scored a touchdown, hit eight receptions. And so unfortunately, the crossfire went the opposite direction for the Magic. Um, and then you also highlight Austin Eckler, or uh, Keenan Allen, but Austin Eckler, the other big acquisition at the trade deadline, the other Los Angeles Charger. He only has seven points for TDA, while Allen has 27.6. And even despite these important discrepancies, touchdown to Nabby, have a resounding victory. And Tank Dell has 28.9. Tyreek Hill has 30.6. Devin Singletary um, seemingly wrestled the starting job away from Damian Pierce while he's been injured. He has 19.8 points against the Arizona Cardinals. David Montgomery, 17.8 in a revenge game against the Bears. And so this is the second week in a row that the Mad that the Abbey, excuse me, have been the highest scoring team in the league. Last week they had 208, this week 207. Seems like we can almost bank 200 plus points from this roster, especially when you consider that Austin Eckler once more put up seven points. Jamar Chase put up 9.2 points. And uh, with Jake Browning moving forward, I'm really not sure what his ceiling is. Uh, what a testament to this team that despite those poor performances, they're still able to put up gaudy numbers. If you like looking at numbers that start in the 20s, then please take a look at this roster because you will have yourself a field day scrolling up and down. The Marley Magic, though, not to discount their effort they now two weeks in a row have been the second highest scoring team. You mentioned how power seemingly has shifted into to different teams throughout the season. And uh, this game was a perfect representation of that. It lived up to the billing. 
What an exciting week of football. Um, they put up 174.2 points despite ETN having a poor week. The Jaguars offense has uh, seemingly started to shift into preservation mode with ETN, recognizing that they're probably going to make the playoffs in week AFC South. They don't want to ride him too heavily, and so he's seeing significantly less carries. Uh, but you wonder, in the Week 12 matchup they have with the Texans, a very pivotal matchup for the division, if they um, go back to featuring him. But they didn't need him this week as the passing offense excelled. We'll talk about those pieces here in a minute. But the other um, disappointing player, A.J. Brown, as you said, they knew that they needed a massive score from him. And so when you see 1.8 in that context, it's like, well, even if he scored 20, it wouldn't have made a difference. Um, but to know that he played that poorly, to know that Kenneth Walker left with an uh, an injury that seems like it will keep him out for a while and that Jordan Addison only points points uh, scored excuse me 7.4 points I think as the magic you gotta tip your cap to the touchdown to Nabby um, applaud your players uh, but know that if there is a rematch as both general managers projected there will be in the playoffs if there is a rematch you have just as good a chance as any team in this league does two new rising titans that you hope are peaking just at the right time of the season to take down the Silver Dietrich. We can all hope that we see a matchup like this. Had reminiscence of the Rams-Chiefs matchup from about five years ago that ended up something like 52-49, or uh, you know, sometimes you see the Bills and the Chiefs um, put up massive totals, and you know these are the two best teams in the league. It very much reminded me of watching a matchup like this one. A lot of fun to be a fan of the CGF. And I don't know, it might be too bold to say these are the two best teams in the CGF, but right now I think they are definitely the two at the top, like at, hitting their stride at the right time. So I think the question will be, can they continue the momentum going into playoffs? Because with how close it's looking like it's going to be in playoffs, I think it's really just going to be a matter of who gets hot at the right moment. Um, and right now it's these two teams, so we'll see if that continues. Um, not to uh, forget that the winter faces have won four straight as well, but um, that's more of a consistent pointage, whereas theirs are explosions of points um, every single, or not every single week, but when they do, it boils over. All right, moving on to matchup number four. Last week, we had the Pit Kings uh, visiting, I'm sorry, the Bruce Matthews visiting the Pit Kings. Um, we had mentioned earlier that Mark Andrews was injured. That was a, a key pivot point in this matchup as he uh, left the game after only getting a chance to to catch two passes. Um, on top of that, I'm a little bit worried about uh, Stefan Diggs lately. He's been slumping, and uh, hearing stuff in the media, I know he had something where he, his brother was speaking out on, on some form of social media and uh, kind of bringing back some of the, the prima donna stuff that we've seen from him a little bit before. So, um these kind of things happening at the wrong time can really, I think, mess with your your chances, especially in the game when the team won 32 to six and he was held to just 6.7 fantasy points. Yeah, uh, it's a tough matchup for outside wide receivers against the jet secondary like DJ Reed, like Sauce Gardner. But my gosh, you're exactly right. And to illustrate that, we see on the other side, Gabe Davis with zero points. He didn't even receive a target for the Pit Kings in their starting lineup. Um and so that proves the point. But like you're saying, if you're a player of Stefan Diggs quality, and this is not just a one week thing, uh, it's accompanied by him lashing out at the team through um, different mediums. So like you're saying, certainly concern here. We've seen him blow up at the side on the sideline at times at the coaching staff, maybe at Josh Allen, hard to say. Um, the hope for Bruce fans, like you're saying, is that in the bye week, um, they sort some things out. 
the offensive new offensive coordinator Joe Brady is able to work to find ways to highlight him because they're going to need it down the stretch. The bruise will um, also necessary to point out that Justin Jefferson remains out and he has always been integral to the bruise success. I'm not sure he's going to return for week 12. They also have week 13 by the Vikings do. And so we might not see Justin Jefferson until week 14. With that said, I don't know what the bruise Matthews rest of the regular season looks like, but I think we need to take a step back uh, recall the earlier parts of the season and and recall previous years and remember that the Bruce Matthews uh, should still be one of the favorites to win the CGF this year, to win CGF War. You know that their name is going to be in contention, that they're going to have something to say about who's taking home the Silver Dietrich. And so uh, I don't want us to get too carried away with this team's downward trajectory, but uh, we had highlighted there was blood in the water, the picking sensed it, they jumped on it. They attack. Uh, and so they win this one pretty handily. Again, a rough score from the Bruise. For the Pickings, uh, Calvin Ridley. That's the story. They've been succeeding, the Pickings have, while still missing some important players. And Calvin Ridley with 31.1 points. He's been one of the biggest disappointments in football this year. Um, only two weeks otherwise that had broken 15 points. And in week 11, he breaks 30 points. They ride that explosive performance to a victory along with their quarterbacks. And so despite some pretty meager scores in the rest of their lineup, it is all for naught because of that very impressive performance. Um, a lot of single-digit scores for both of these teams. And so we know that there, there's talent aplenty on either side of the ball. For the Pit Kings, it's Kyron Williams coming back off the IR. He was one of the highest-scoring running backs through the first several weeks of the season. We've highlighted the injured players for the Brews who will be returning. But as you say, Mark Andrews seemingly out for the year. John Harbaugh did express some optimism in his press conference that uh, Andrews could be could return sometime this year. Uh, what I wonder, though, is if the Ravens are seemingly a lock for the playoffs at this point, they might even be the, the number one overall seed in the AFC. And so when I hear John Harbaugh say something like that, I'm happy for the individual Mark Andrews. Um, and for his health and well-being. But I do still have some skepticism when Harbaugh says he thinks Andrews might be back this year. I wonder if he's not talking about the playoffs. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if by the time Andrews returns, it's past the time that our CGF season has ended. And so it'll be interesting. If he is back, I think it's going to be in the semifinals or the championship of our league. So something to keep your eye on there. The two other players, though, that did have good weeks were both on the bench for the Brews, DeAndre Hopkins and, and Adam Thielen. Thielen had had some down weeks. I think he's probably now back in starting consideration. But DeAndre Hopkins, a lot like Gabe Davis on the other side, seems like he, he's the type of player that you always want to put on the bench when he has a good game and you want to start him and then he has a stinker. Very difficult to assess. Hopefully the Brews are able to guess right in the weeks ahead. Uh, but the other injury that they have, Aaron Jones, uh, seems like he avoided a major injury, but I still would be surprised if he doesn't, uh, if he's able to play. I think he's probably likely to miss a game or two, so that might make your start-sit decisions a bit easier with one locked-in starter out of the picture. But very interesting, two very interesting teams um, to to consider trending in opposite directions right now. The Brews have lost three of their last four. The Pickings, do you recall where they owen three or owen four? I think they might have been owen four, and I believe they've won six of their last. Seven, but I'm not sure about that. 
exactly. So uh, two teams, regardless, trending in the opposite direction. Oh, sorry, they were one and five, one and four, one and four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that means that they've lost five. Of, they've won five of their last six, while the Brewers have won three of their last four. Um, uh, uh, I think most of us would consider this an upset, but it shows that the Pit Kings belong right here in this conversation for the top teams, in the CGF. All right, moving on to our final matchup last week. Uh, we had the Rocky Mountain Mooses visiting the Gotham Knights. Uh, Rocky Mountain Mooses pull off the victory with a score of 158.24 to 150.86. Uh, this one, of course, came down to the Monday night football game last night as Travis Kelsey tried to uh, to run down uh, Devontae Smith. In two of the final moments of that game, it was it was close. He, Devontae Smith had, like I said, a little bit of a head start, but it definitely was a chance at different points of the game that, that Kelsey looked like he might he might pull it off. Um, so the Mooses get their second victory, putting them at two and nine. They are in tenth place. Is this the best tenth place team we've ever had? I think it has to be, yeah. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, a testament to to the new rule that um, discourages um, blatant outright tanking. The Rocky Mount Mooses, the God Kings, they should be competing. There's no reason not to, and both teams are competing to their best of their abilities. And this was one that we highlighted again on this pro, pro, pro program last week. Uh, Bruce Matthews, general manager and special guest William Spicer, called this a trap game for the Gotham Knights coming off a big victory versus the Bruce, um, anticipating an important Week 12 matchup. Uh, I don't know who they play, but we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, they play the Pit Kings, excuse me, an important Week 12 matchup versus the Pit Kings. And uh, you wonder if they might have overlooked the Mooses a little bit. The best, without a doubt, the best 10th seed that CGF has ever seen. I said that I don't think they'd end on one lot, one win, and I'm not sure they'll end on two wins either. They're still going to have something to say about this playoff race and who finishes in what position. Trevor Lawrence, finally, this is the performance that fans across the NFL and CGF have been looking for. He had not scored 20 points yet. This season had finished no higher than QB eight back in week one. And he is QB one overall two rushing touchdowns. Um, not what you expect to see with Trevor Lawrence, but he kind of like Justin Herbert has the capacity to throw that in there. And so it's really exciting that the Moose's quarterback play, um, which has been one of their weak spots throughout the season. They have Kyler Murray healthy. Trevor Lawrence is playing to the best of his ability and the, the quarterbacks end up being the bright spot in this big, important victory. They very interestingly leave Devon Achan on the bench. I don't think that was the right decision, but it pays off for them. Achan unfortunately left the game early injured. And so um, he might've brought their score down. And like you said, only an eight point margin. That might have been the difference depending on who he subbed in for. But Garrett Wilson, only 0.9 points on the, the week. Very frustrating. Hopefully with Tim Boyle, he's able to muster up much more. He was targeted eight times. He only turned that into 0.9 points. So really hoping for him and Brees to uh, put on a performance down the stretch that reminds us of just how elite they are. For the Gotham Knights, as you said, this one was within reach. Travis Kelsey fumbles the ball away. As a result, the Eagles beat the Chiefs. As a result, the Rocky Mountain Mooses beat the Gotham Knights. It was not the last play of the game, but the Chiefs were in the red zone. They were moving the ball, and we know Travis Kelsey is a person that they target in the red zone. Uh, if he doesn't fumble, if he then ends up with a touchdown, he is certainly the deciding factor that leads to a Gotham Knights victory. 
this should not matter for the playoff picture, but if they had won, they're right in the heart of this this race for the, the top two overall positions. I don't know. I'm going to ask you by the end of this episode how you think things shake out with the top two seeds, but uh, this really gives them an uphill battle. I'm not sure that they'll be able to pass the um, two or three of the four teams ahead of them in just the three games remaining. Uh, they're going to compete for it, but they do have a tough hill to climb. The Saquon Barkley for Derrick Henry trade hurts them in this one. It's yeah. so 25 point difference. Uh, and so it'll be interesting. Is Derrick Henry ever able to turn it on and become the player that we hope? He has a juicy, juicy matchup in week 12. If there's ever a time for him to do it, we are going to see him explode in week 12. We'll highlight that in a minute. But um, impressive scores elsewhere from Mike Evans, who scores touchdowns every single week, it seems like. What a red zone target he is. DJ Moore with Justin Fields back explodes once more and joe mixon uh who is still a player that is really an end of the bench type player but uh the, the faith that gotham knights general manager hunter hawes has in him in him is rewarded he has 21 points on thursday night with jake browning now at the helm of cincinnati's offense he is certainly a player that uh, deserves some consideration to start despite my distaste for him as a fantasy asset but I don't know what I'm going to say next. Really excited to preview these week 12 matchups. All right, let's get right into it then. Uh, first matchup next week, we have the Popier Bowlers visiting the Rocky Mountain Mooses. Uh, original due drought for this was for the Mooses, and the Mooses also have the 2 1 all time series lead. Um, as the Mooses just showed, they're though their playoff chances are gone for the season, they're very much still uh, a team capable of getting victories. I think, like you said, they're going to continue to impact the final standings and what the, the playoff seeding is going to look like um if i could repick this dude drop i think i'd still probably pick the mooses this week of course with how the trade line throughout this week shapes up could could change that either way i don't know if there's still some in players but we certainly have some guys on the block so that could end up uh impacting this one way or the other does not matter probably for the grand scheme of things if there's still like an off shoot chance i think we're not mathematically eliminated yet I think we would have to win this game almost for that to continue. Uh, so it does matter, I guess, for that reason. But otherwise, uh, likely to be a a good close game, but not one that has much impact on the season as a whole. This one is going to be very close. It's currently 50-50. We so rarely see that in the, the match preview. 50-50, both teams in green. I love seeing green on both sides. Um. As you said, the the trades that um, that you expect to happen here uh, in week twelve, and I got to pause to say too, how fun has it been that we've had a few trade windows? We had the big early trade between the Matrix and the Brews, where the Brews acquire Tony Pollard and DeAndre Hopkins. Then there's a bit of a lull, some minor trades, and then we get the big day of trades where all these superstars are shipped off of the God Kings with a little breadcrumb at the end. That's more like a full loaf with Chris Olave being traded away to the Gotham Knights. And uh, now here we're about to get a trade deadline. Oh, it's so fun. Uh, you know, whenever there's a league with a trade deadline and there's, you know, it's like 3 p.m. on July 31st, MLB trade deadline, and you just keep refreshing your feed for updates from Jeff Passan. Well, here we are all refreshing our feeds for updates from Sleeper, from uh, CGF Adam Schefter to see where's Cooper Cup going to end up. He might be the piece that ultimately decides who gets the buys, who's bringing home hardware at the end of the season. 
But for now, he's on the popular ballers. And for now, the popular ballers are not out of this playoff race. They have the Mooses this weekend. They have the uh, the God Kings yet ahead in their schedule. I think they very well could get to six wins with those two. If they pull off another important victory, they might still get to seven and seven. And that puts them in contention for sure. Uh, and so it's a delicate balance that general manager Jacob Park finds himself in here as we approach week 12. Tommy DeVito against the New England Patriots defense. If he can put up that kind of performance and lead the Giants to victory against the Commanders who are in desperate contention for uh, for the playoffs, they needed a win against the division rival, then the New England Patriots who are, who are certainly tanking for a top quarterback in this next 2024 draft, surely Tommy DeVito can lead them, the, the Giants, forward into uh, the Meadowlands, a home matchup, an important matchup, for his confidence uh, to see what the Giants have in him. Can the freshman Phenom become more than just a Phenom? Can he become a regular in the starting lineup for the Giants, for the popular ballers? The odds are certainly stacked against him, uh, but he's a fun character, a classic New Jersey boy. <laughs> he was eating a chicken parm the other day. Uh, he has, a, he looks like he's from Jersey. He's got just that 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 nice stench to him that you want out of a Jersey boy. A uh, lovely person to follow along with and cheer for. Lives with his parents. All sorts of good um, facets to his character. But anyway, we wish him well and hope he does well against a pathetic Patriots defense. But uh, most excitingly, it's Bijan Robinson back healthy. Arthur Smith has had time to look in the mirror and figure out what's wrong with this offense. And it's because B. John Robinson presented by CGF Minnie's recovery drink and Kyle Pitts, the superstars that they are need to be featured, need to be given the ball every single play. And that's what we're going to get against the new Orleans saints, three touchdowns combined between Bijan and Kyle Pitts. And that pushes the popular ballers total to 160. The Rocky mountain mooses on the other side of the ball are led by these young superstars, Keaton Mitchell and if Devon Achan is able to play Devon Achan, if not, Jameer Gibbs, the number one, number two, excuse me, overall pick in the CGF draft, has over the last four weeks he's played in the RB3, the RB1, the RB2, and the RB3 overall. He is guaranteed to score 20 plus points, and he gets a soft Packers defense that he should run ragged over early on Thursday as you're preparing for uh, your meals in the kitchen, you're peeking at the TV, and every time you look over there, you're seeing Jameer Gibbs breaking 20-plus yards down the sideline. This one is going to be a lot of fun, uh, especially if you are a Mooses fan who gets to watch Jameer Gibbs run fast. He's not the only player running fast. DK Metcalf, the Seattle Seahawks looking to bounce back against the 49ers. Metcalf had a big week 11 Geno Smith, if he's healthy, is going to target DK Metcalf a lot against a, a 49ers pass defense that has given up some plays and also just left lost one of their best secondary players. They're starting safety to Aloha Hafanga. I expect DK Metcalf to succeed because of that. This one is going to be a nail-biter. As you say, we don't know what stakes are in play yet the max points for might be the most important part of this matchup and we don't always see that until after the match week is over but this one might still matter for the playoff race we can't count it out yet I'm really excited to watch this one even with the lower stakes as a, as compared to other matchups right, moving on to matchup number two we have touchdowns in abity visiting the god kings uh, original do drop for this one was for the god kings and they do have a three and two old-time series record against the Monks. 
That being said, I don't expect this to be much of a competition. As I've already stated, I think the Vikings are almost an auto win at this point as they seem to be on autopilot uh, headed towards that first overall draft pick for next season. Uh, one thing to note, Desmond Ritter has been named the starter for this week and confirmed, so they will have two quarterbacks again, uh, giving them a little bit more life, but I still don't think it's going to be much trouble for Ralph and the Monks. It may be the most disappointing thing for God Kings fans is that they only have one player playing on Thursday. Uh, you know, have something fun to to uh, do while you sit there with your plate full of um, the Thanksgiving, the best of Thanksgiving. Um, if Antonio Gibson isn't healthy, though, they they really don't have a choice. Jalen Tolbert currently the only Thursday player, but who knows? Maybe we'll get some more excitement for us, God King fans. Uh, for touchdown to Abby, this team is at full strength, as are all teams outside of injuries. I want to note, I meant to note this at the start of our week preview. There are no buys across the NFL in week 12, no buys across the league. And so um, every player is active. We're we're going to have a lot of important buys in week 13, and then a few important buys in week 14 before we're through. But uh, the last week until the playoff schedule for the CGF without buys. And so... Uh, this team is going to put up insane amounts of points. Uh, they might break the points scoring record. I expect them to tickle 250. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's, there's just a lot of points up and down this lineup. I don't even know who to highlight, but this one is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Not because it's going to be close, but because it is going to be uh, two scores that are as far apart as maybe we've ever seen in CGF history. I'm hoping that this one is decided by 200 points. That's what I'll be cheering for as a fan of the CGF, the biggest margin in CGF history. All right, moving on to matchup number three. We have the Matriarchs visiting the Marley Magic. Uh, original dude drop was for the Magic, but the Matriarchs hold the all-time series record 5-2 to two between these two teams. Uh, there's a bit of a quarterback controversy going on in New England, but Katie owns both Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, so she should have two starters for this matchup either way. Um, still heavily favored in Ryan and Noah's favor. Uh, projection currently at 66% Marley Magic. This one is very significant for how this season shapes up. Uh, the Matrix are the one team who has a legit shot to crack into the top six, and if they're to do it, I think it has to be because they beat the Marley Magic this week. If they lose, then I think we can feel pretty com comfortable in saying who the six playoff finalists are. As you say, they'll have two starting quarterbacks, but what I'm nervous about for the Matriarchs is will Bill Belichick disclose before the game who's going to start? Uh, will they know which quarterback to start? I think back to the uh, my series go. Uh, we think back to the matchup that the Titans and uh, I can't remember who they were playing. I guess it was the Falcons where Mike Rabel would not disclose who was going to start between Malik Willis and Will Levis. So we know that sometimes head coaches do that. Mike Rabel from Bill Belichick's coaching tree. They like to be cheeky. They like to be clever. And so uh, I'd be a bit nervous about who's going to get the bulk of the playing time. And they might split reps too. Uh, they Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi did that some last year where they would trade off series. So uh, that is the biggest wrinkle for this matchup, as you say. But some of these projections uh, are are frustrating for me. How is Saquon Barkley only projected for 14.8? How is Brian Robinson only projected for 10? How is Dalton Schultz only projected for 11? CJ Stroud for 18? I think that this current projection that has the Matrix at 120 and a half is um, 
poor from sleepers algorithms and so i do think they'll push the magic more than it's currently projected as we sit here on tuesday afternoon but the magic are a machine the second highest scoring team two weeks running the matrix are going to have to score a lot more than 120 uh, probably a lot more than 157 but the magic are currently projected for this one is going to be uh, a fun one to watch because of travis Etienne. 14.9 points uh, is what his projection is. So that's more in line with an exciting week. But I think he's going to uh, really enter back into that conversation that we were having before the Jacksonville buy when we were saying, is he the Dynasty RB1? Is he Where does he rank in the top five of Dynasty RBs? At that point, he'd come off weeks of RB1, RB2, RB4, RB5. And that is the, the type of week that I expect him to have here. So uh, we know AJ Brown will recover. We know Brandon Ayuk will have a big a big day. Um, we know Keenan Allen will have a big day. But Travis Etienne, that's the player to watch. Also, Kenneth Walker, will he play? Is he healthy? That's something to watch as well. And I, I should note uh, while we're doing game previews here that the player to benefit if Kenneth Walker is not okay and if he's out an extended period is Zach Charbonnet, who plays for none other than TDA, as if they needed more big pieces uh, down the stretch. They're we said that they might just be getting stronger, and that's another instance of that. But yeah, Kenneth Walker, another player to watch as the week wears on in this one. All right, that brings us to matchup number four for next week. We have the Pit Kings visiting the Gotham Knights. The dewdrop was originally for Gotham, and they have a 3-1 old-time series lead. Uh, this is the fifth and sixth place team going head-to-head. -head. They're currently tied in record six and, six and five each, so winner of this is jumping to fifth place while the loser becomes the matriarch's target to try and run down uh, for the rest of the season. So we'll kind of determine that. Uh, we already talked about how Gotham dropped an important game to the Mooses last week. That's dropped their chance at the buy down now to just uh, four and a half percent at being one of the two buy teams. I think that will be completely um, vanquished if they, if they lose this week, I think even that, that chance is going to be snuffed out. So it's huge for them. They need to, to stop this, this one game skid they're on. Uh, while the Pit Kings, meanwhile, are coming in after two victories, uh, including a huge win against the Ballers and then a big upset last week against the Brews. They'd want to keep that momentum going into playoffs, as this could uh, really affect some seeding matchups, especially if either of these teams advance into the next round. You want to be the fifth seed so that the sixth seed uh, does make it through. You don't have to play the number one seed first. You bring up a good point that I had not considered. The loser of this game will be 6-6 six and six, and sitting in the sixth seed. The Matrix could be six and six alongside them. The popular ballers could be five and seven. At worst, the Matrix will be five and seven. So we're going to enter the final two weeks with just one game between the six and seven seed and maybe the six and eight seed. So this playoff race is not as, as clear cut as I was thinking it was um, with this matchup set to push one of these teams down. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, I did not hear you say the words game of the week, and I'm not yet ready to say it either. This one deserves that title, though. Uh, it's close. currently it's very close. It's currently projected a 55% chance that the Gotham Knights win. They've been hovering right around the 150s in the past few weeks, but I think they're due to blow up that point total. And as I said, it's because Derek Henry, we are about to see the 200-yard rushing total and the three-touchdown game that he has in him. He plays the Carolina Panthers, who have been giving up entire 
stretches of the field to running backs, and Derrick Henry is one of the best of them. And if Mike Vrabel has a game where he can pound the rock, he's going to do it. They've not relied too heavily on Derrick Henry yet, giving him rush totals around 10, 11, 12, 13 for much of the season. This is a game where I think they've been saving him for. This is a game where they give him the ball 30-plus times, and he explodes against the pickings. So that's the player that I am anticipating to be the difference maker. Uh, and he's going to need to be because Jonathan Taylor, we've talked about him some this year, but he's been pretty disappointing for the Colts offense. Hopefully he's sorted some things out and the Colts offense has sorted some things out over the bye. But he plays a stout Tampa Bay run, run defense and uh, H.A. Terrell will be guarding Chris Olave. I think there's a lot of tough matchups that the Gotham Knights have. They really need to be pulling for a huge week from Derrick Henry. They're going to be tested on the other side by the pickings. DeAndre Swift finally got a goal line carry that he was able to score. He ran it in from the five-yard line. He knew he had to get in because if he was down any, anywhere inside the five, then it was, unfortunately, Jalen Hurts' touchdown. But Najee Harris has got to get out of this starting lineup. Um, I, he's been a questionable starter all season long. He had post-buy, had some really impressive scores, and maybe I'm being too much of a hater. You know, he's still worthy of, of starting consideration for sure, um, but... He's, he's never going to have that explosive week. And uh, I think you need players who can have explosive weeks. And one player who can have a week like that is Kyron Williams. We know he'll be coming off the IR and entering the starting lineup. Noah Brown, if Noah Brown is out, though, is the most likely candidate to get benched. Um, but another player to highlight, Isaiah Likely, filling in for the injured Mark Andrews. Last year, Isaiah Likely's rookie year, he had all sorts of impressive weeks with Andrews out. This year, there have been two weeks where Mark Andrews has been out, and he's only scored well, 1.9 points and 0, 0.0 points in those two weeks where he's seen significantly increased snap counts. I think that's because the Baltimore Ravens have such an improved receiving core that uh, they have Lamar Jackson hasn't had to, to spread the ball around to him as much. But um, TJ Hawkinson against the Chicago Bears' pass defense, he will get 12-plus targets if Justin Jefferson is still out. He can score in the 30s. He can have those explosive weeks. And so I'm really excited to uh, to see how high TJ Hawkinson pushes his point total in the, the battle of the top two scoring Titans on the season, Travis Kelsey and TJ Hawkinson, the two Titans to own in fantasy football. They're going to go out there and decide this matchup, and decide who moves to seven and five, potentially up as high as the, the four seed, the three seed, or who drops to six and six and has to sweat out the last two weeks of the regular season. I think it's in the matrix. You're rooting for Gotham in this matchup because the Pickings are still playing the God Kings, so you know that's a plus-one win for them. And the matriarchs get to play Gotham in week 14, so they get to control their destiny a little more if it goes that wow. direction. Of course, they'll probably have to win one, if not both, of their games against the Marley Magic and the Brews. Matrix would um, for that 14th game to matter, but I mean, you get a little more of a chance, I think, if Gotham falls down to sixth place here. All right, that brings us to game five next week. It's both of our games of the week by process of elimination. We have the winner faces visiting the Bruise Matthews. The original dewdrop was for the Bruise, and the winner faces have the old time series lead by a score of three to two. Uh, early in the year, I tend to disrespect the big team matchups because I don't I don't care as much about the bye but now we're to the end of the season that is the most interesting part still to be determined assuming no miracle happens for the matriarchs and the ballers 
this is huge. The Brews, as we mentioned, have been going trending kind of down while the Winter Faces are on a four-game win streak. Uh, if Spice wants to hang on to a chance at a buy spot, this game is enormous going forward. Game of the week, as you say, Jake. What uh, fun the narratives are surrounding this matchup. We have uh, two teams, as you say, trending in opposite direction directions the winner faces after week seven were three and four the bruise matthews at that point six and one i would have never imagined that as we sat here approaching week 12 i would be tied with the bruise i never could imagine that they would lose four games in one season and yet here they are the kings of the regular season the bruise matthews versus the kings of the postseason and the winner faces uh these teams uh, as you say have been neck and neck throughout their history a rematch of cgf2 Teams that are seemingly always in contention at the top, and now they square off in a very pivotal matchup that will define their seasons. Both teams have the bye within grasp. Both teams have a five seed uh, within grasp, maybe even the six seed within grasp. And so uh, all eyes, I think, will be on this one. As you say, as the playoff picture takes shape, we start being more interested in the seeding matchups. And so I agree with you that because of that, I will be tuned in to the Bruce Matthews hosting the winner faces. Uh, I think your uh, do drop is spot on. It's so hard to beat a team twice in the season, twice in one season. I cannot imagine the winner faces bringing this one home, but they're currently projected to win in large part because of these crucial injuries to the Bruce Matthews. Justin Jefferson came out today saying he doesn't care about your fantasy teams. He cares about his health, seemingly implying that he will be out for this matchup, but that does not mean that the Bruce Matthews cannot put up points in bunches. Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love has been, uh, he's, he's the quarterback with the most throws of 30 plus yards this season. He puts up plays and points in bunches and he's going to have to against the Detroit Lions defense that has been more susceptible to giving up big weeks. We saw Justin Herbert in the Chargers in week 10. We saw Justin Fields in the Bears in week 11. Dice up this secondary. I think that Jordan Love can do the same and he's going to have to because the Lions score points in bunches. Tony Pollard gets in the end zone in week 11. He gets a weak Washington commander's defense that he should score points against once more, should get in the end zone once more. And then Nico Collins, so much focus and attention has been on Tank Dell. But Nico has had these big weeks previously in the season, scoring as high as 35.8 points in week four. Is this the week that the, the defense shifts attention to tanked out and leaves Nico Collins wide open in the end zone, scoring points in bunches? Alvin Kamara back off of his bye. Taysom Hill filling in at tight end off of his bye. You can only imagine all of the trick plays and packages they were working Taysom Hill into while they were on bye. All that extra time just to figure out how can we get the ball into Taysom Hill's hands He's currently projected for 2.74 points. What negligence, uh, what mismanagement by Sleeper Analytics. Absolutely pathetic job by them. He should be projected for 20.2 points. If you do that, this one is neck and neck in the projections. Uh, scores that will blow your mind. Scores that will be in the 200s at the very minimum. And Adam Thielen, we highlighted him before. Does he enter the starting lineup? He will against the Tennessee Titans. We know that the Carolina Panthers are going to be diced up for 200 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns from Derrick Henry. If they're going to keep pace, they're going to have to throw the ball to Adam Thielen. I expect him to have 20 targets in this game and to convert 15 of those into receptions, two touchdowns, 179 yards. He will go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the big dog, and he will lose to the Titans, but he will win for the Bruce Matthews as they get the early season revenge and restake their claim as one of the top teams in the CGF. 
Patrick Mahomes has looked bad, not because he is a bad quarterback, but because he has a uh, head coach who does not realize that he is the best football player of all time. And he is one of the best offensive minds of all time, Andy Reid is, and he should just go for fourth downs instead of punting the ball away. Also because they have neglected the wide receiver position and are throwing uh, players who are worse than you and me, Jacob, out there on the field to catch (laughs) these balls from Patrick Mahomes. It cost them the game in week one. It cost them the game in week 11, and they're doing nothing to address it, seemingly uh, flippantly throwing away their chances at a bye and perhaps throwing away the winner faces chances at a bye as a result. But Justin Fields, Monday night, Vikings defense, he uh, returned from his injury with a with an urgency, knowing that the, the Bears are not doing well, hearing all these rumors about the Bears drafting a quarterback and asserting that he is the Bears quarterback of the future. He gets another opportunity to prove it against Minnesota Vikings defense that will allow points to be put up on them. Josh Dobbs, Justin Fields, primetime holiday weekend. We're going to be still a bit hungover, a bit tired, uh, a bit frustrated by having to go to work when we just celebrated the holiday and we're looking forward to Christmas. We just want to be off the whole month of December, but we get the joy of a Monday night Josh Dobbs-Justin Fields matchup, and Justin Fields is going to have to put up 30-plus points to beat the Bruce Matthews. He's going to come close, but unfortunately, he'll probably throw an interception at the end of the game to lose it. This one is going to have players playing on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, or excuse me, on Sunday during the day, on Sunday at night, and on Monday night, we are going to be able to to have important adjustments made to the projections and scorelines to this matchup all throughout the weekend. Four of the of the five days from Thursday to Monday, we get to be concerned with the Bruce Matthews and the winner faces. What joy it's going to be for fans of football, for fans of the CGF, for fans of fun and goodness. Let's play some ball. There you have it. Like that you defended reasons why this game was going to be a good game to you or important to you when it's your game. So surely it would have mattered even if the stakes weren't so high, but they are. This is going to be a good one. As White said, we will look forward to watching that. A huge, huge step into the buy direction at stake. Jake, as we sit here, I know you got to get back to work, uh, but real quick, who are your top two teams into the season? Who you have winning the buy positions? Okay, winning the buy, not necessarily who I have in the championships or winning it. I think Marley Magic hold on to the one spot. Uh, looking at their schedule, I'm counting a victory for them against the Matriarchs and Ballers. Pit Kings, possible upset, but I think unlikely, and they have a one-game lead to begin with. They don't fall out. Uh, I'm riding touchdown to Navi's wagon. I think they're going to overtake the number two spot. They got the freebie against the God Kings this week. Well, the Mooses are still deadly. I think they take them in week 13. And it's going to come down to Winterface's first touchdown to Abby, likely for the buy spot. And that's assuming the Winterfaces don't drop a game to the Brews or the Gotham Knights on the way, which are both not easy wins either. I think it's Marley Magic, touchdown to Abby. Making quite a lot, a lot of assumptions there that the winner faces are, as you say, nine and four at that time. But I agree with you. Those were the two teams I came into this episode projecting to be the top two teams. Marley Magic and Touchdown to Nabby. Cannot wait to see if they're able to hold up this form throughout the rest of the season. We got the uh, the standings up, people. Correct. We just guessed the wrong teams early on in the year. We, I had at least both the Magic and the Abbey out of playoffs. Both these teams are powerhouses. This I just can't wait for this postseason. Um, my my 
real hope is that both the Abbey and the Picking somehow at least make it to the final four because those are two teams who have not been there before. Uh, the other four were all there, uh, I think, just last season. So I uh, wanted to get some fresh blood in there to mix it up. Hopefully a brand-new champion as well. Uh, no offense to you, Mr. Two-Time. All right. We need, we any need other... some new blood. We need some new blood. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> all right. I was just going to ask, any other thoughts for this episode uh, before we before we wrap this up? Thursday, Friday, Sunday, and Monday. Can't wait. We're going to be feasting all weekend long, and it's not just on the food. It's on the football. Make sure to check out the waiver wire, everyone. Check your inboxes. I've had a few rejections rolling throughout the recording of this episode even. Uh, just consider your chances. Consider everything you fought for. Do you really want to get all the way to playoffs and not say you left it all on the line, not say that you put it all out there for a championship? Uh, just something to keep in mind. All right, everybody, we will see you all next week. Good luck.